Tired of ads interrupting your favorite show? Good news. Ad-free listening on Amazon Music is included with your Prime membership. Just head to amazon.com slash ad-free fitness to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Enjoy thousands of ACAST shows ad-free for Prime subscribers. Some shows may have ads. This is The Secret Library Podcast. Welcome to Season 8, where our theme is wonder. For many of us, when we write, we focus on the end product. We focus on what we want to accomplish and getting it out into the world where others can read it. However, it's just as important how writing transforms our lives. What does writing change about how we experience the world around us? This season, we will have a series of conversations with people who look at how writing has impacted them how it has changed their everyday experience, what impact writing has had on their lives. I know you will love hearing these conversations as much as we loved recording them. And I hope that by the end, you will have found a pathway to wonder through writing yourself. Welcome to episode one. My guest this week is Catherine May, and I can think of no one who is better equipped to start us on this journey of seeking wonder. I had already set the intention for the season when the opportunity came up to speak with Catherine, and it just felt as if wonder was approving of the theme of the season. Catherine is an internationally best-selling author and podcaster living in Whitstable, UK. You may know her, pardon the pun, from her previous huge bestseller, Wintering, The Power of Rest and Retreat in Difficult Times. It was a New York Times, Sunday Times, and Der Spiegel bestseller, was adapted as BBC Radio 4's Book of the Week, and was shortlisted for the Porchlight and Barnes & Noble Book of the Year. The Electricity of Every Living Thing, her memoir of a midlife autism diagnosis, was adapted as an audio drama by Audible. Other titles include novels such as The Whitstable High Tide Swimming Club and The Best Most Awful Job, an anthology of essays about motherhood, which she edited. Her journalism and essays have appeared in a range of publications, including the New York Times, The Observer, and Aeon. Her next book, Enchantment, out now, is the topic of our conversation today. The byline of which particularly enchanted me, which is awakening wonder in an anxious age. This conversation was the perfect one to set us on the path of looking for wonder through writing. Happy listening. Hi, Catherine. Thank you so, so much for coming on. Oh, thank you for having me. It's lovely to be here. So it was a bit like a big, huge breath of crisp air reading the beginning and and into enchantment just describing the experience of what that period of time was like and Mm. at the same time in the acknowledgments 
you commented on how there were a lot of people who helped you get through the writing of this book that <laughs> felt like, I believe you said something like push, dragging yourself up a large hill or, or something to that effect. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was definitely feeling the, the force of gravity during uh, the writing of this book. It was, it was hard going actually. And I, you know, the book starts with me talking about that feeling of heaviness and stasis that I think so many of us experienced after a few months of lockdowns and paranoia about the, the pandemic. Um, and, you know, trying to write a book from within that was was really, really genuinely tough. So the, the sense I capture there is is not me looking back. It's me like trying to write. <laughs> Well, that's what I was amazed by. And so you talked about people sort of helping you get through this because you managed to convey this enchantment that you're trying to find while also being incredibly honest and descriptive about how far away from enchantment you were feeling. So I'm wondering, mm. how did you bridge that gap in the process of writing this other than well, yeah, I mean, I think, <laughs> exhaustion. <laughs> other than just like dragging myself along, I mean, I I think all of my books are like they come from the same process, which is I'm always trying to solve an authentic problem. I'm never interested in writing from some kind of high ground where I like survey the the scene and and share my amazing wisdom. Like I'm. I'm so disinterested in reading those books and I definitely don't want to write one. Um, and so I, I guess in a way it's, that is my process is to write from the hard bits always um, and to explore how to get out of them. Um, and, and I think that's, that's exactly what I did here. I mean, I, I had this, you know, I had this kind of quite diffuse idea for a book about, and humility and the the kind of uh, the times when we need to reach for something some kind of shift I suppose some kind of mental shift that that helps to put us into context um but I couldn't quite make it work until I realized that I had to own what I was going through at the time and, and actually make it intrinsic to the story um rather than trying to pretend that wasn't happening and push on through I think that was another one of my favorite moments because I felt like this was a lovely parallel in writing was when you go on the trip to try to see a meteor shower and then it ends up being a really bright moon, <laughs> therefore making it quite difficult to see it after a long <laughs> yeah. drive. And I thought, oh, how frustrating, but also what a perfect metaphor for the writing process. So I'm wondering... Because you also reference, I'm such a junkie for the acknowledgements, um, that someone <laughs> whose name I don't remember now very patiently talked you out of an idea that didn't end up working. Yeah. So I'm yeah. wondering about this process of going to try to find one kind of book or one kind of experience and ending up with another and how how you reconcile that difference. Yeah, I mean, that, that feels actually really normal to me for writing a book. It, it rarely is the book that I initially imagine. I, and, it, and it's usually nothing like it. Um, and I, you know, I used to, I mean, I know you you work with writers and I, I used to too. And I, I think one of the major sticking points for writers that aren't very experienced is that they think that the book has to turn out like their original plan. 
and they get very stuck, like trying to make that fit. And, you know, writing is a process. And if for me, like I would totally lose interest in it if it wasn't. I, I've got no interest in, you know, like writing an essay plan like they taught me to do at school and then enacting <laughs> it um, because I want to learn from the process of doing it. And so it, it was really interesting to externalize that in the book. And because uh, I, I really do believe that um, the, it's the, the, the mission and the process that's the point of all of this. And that's true for enchantment as well as writing. And so when I, yeah, when I went out to try and find this meteor storm and found I couldn't see it because there was a supermoon, um, of course, I was initially like, oh, I've just wasted all this time and money researching this thing for a book that can't go in the book. <laughs> that's just a disaster. Um, but then, then I suddenly realised that I could see something else because of the, the shadows cast by this such bright moon. And I, you know, I, I'm just taught a lesson over and over again. Like my books are always me just being taught a, a lesson that I should have learned years ago. Um, so no, that I, I'm, I'm sort of deeply comfortable with that. And I think I would find, I'd find it unbearably boring to write a book that, that didn't do that, that didn't see me change or, or shift my perspective in, in some kind of a way. But yeah, you you were asking about the um, the acknowledgement. Um, yeah, I was I, so curious. I was like, what was yeah. the idea? No, well, I, I did set out to write a book about humility um, ah. and did loads of research on it and found, just found that I kept hitting a dead end and, and a very specific dead end, actually, which was that I noticed that everything else that had been written on humility recently had always praised people of colour for their humility in the face of Western oppression. And it it seemed so obvious to me, so blindingly obvious, that what we were often doing was you was expecting humility from other people to make our lives easier without ever having to own that ourselves. And so then I you know, A, I felt like there was this whole hidden history there that someone needed to write, but definitely not me. That was yeah. definitely not my book to write. And that made me feel very stuck. So I wondered how I could proceed with that. But also, I, you know, I just felt very tangled up about who would receive the message about the need for humility and who would ignore it. And I, so I wrote to a, a friend who's a, who's a, a, like a professor of philosophy to say, what, what, you know, tell me what, you know, what philosophy says about, about humility. And he, he basically told me that it's an unsolvable problem to, to kind of write about it. It's, it's caused loads of people problems. I mean, I was really glad it wasn't just me. Oh, um, that is helpful. But, the, <laughs> but the, the problem is that, you know, who, who do you identify for needing more humility and who do you identify for needing less humility? Because it, there's definitely a, a, an uneven distribution of humility, um, and I, I realised at that point that that my idea just couldn't work in the way that I wanted it to work. It couldn't work in like a gentle, inspirational, like nurturing way. Um, and so I, I had that moment where I was like, mm, my book ideas died. Yeah. Oof. I think there's nothing, there's no better exercise in humility than having your book idea die. <laughs> So I modelled it. I yeah, lived it. yeah. You've, you've you've done that beautifully. I mean, I don't think there's any better exercise in humility than writing a book. Period. 
I don't know. It way. does seem to pump up some people's ego. You see, this this is the deep well, problem of humility that like there yeah. are some people who definitely become more self-important having written a book. And, and I think we've probably all met them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then I think it's also that, yeah, that those who would embrace this book and read it are maybe those who need a bit less of it. Yeah, it's it's really complicated. But, you know, I've, again, I think I've had that a lot of times now where actually I've got quite far into either research for a book or even writing it and have found that it it just has, it's like the ground has crumbled beneath my feet and there's there's not as much book as I thought there was or I can't make it work in the way that I imagined it would work um, or just just it doesn't sing or like my interest wanes maybe um and I, and and you know I've had the situation as well where I've done a lot of work on a proposal and my agents kind of said like I can't sell this I just can't oh. can't make it work um and I I think it's interesting that like the longer I've been in writing the less attached I actually get to my ideas and the more open I am to to change within within that process and to letting stuff go like it it's still painful but it's it's part of my it's part of my experience to know when to let something die to throw it back into the water and to, to go fishing for something else and I I now kind of it, it's a lot easier than it used to be because I now know that something else can come along it's it's not it's not the end of everything I know it it can feel like it is that there will never be anything else ever again. <laughs> so how did you transition from wanting to write about humility to finding enchantment and wonder instead? They're not that unrelated and, and humility yeah. definitely comes into the book. And so I, I began to think of it as part of maybe a bigger mix and, and experience there was still some fascination left for me in in some of the ideas around it and some of the case studies I began to look at um and so I just spent a lot of time in my notebook like first of all venting my frustration that I you know like oh what's happening now um but then also doing what I always do which is just following lines of inquiry um you know seeing what interests me delving deep into them, writing about them a bit and thinking, does this idea attach to another idea? Like, is this a standalone thing or is is there something clustering here? Um, and I, I mean, a little later, maybe a little later in the process, I was, I was like working with my editor and sending and still saying like, I'm still, I'm circling something, but I, it's not solidifying for me. I know it's there. And, and, you know, that was like part of the brain fog that I was I was going through. Like I couldn't, I didn't have the clarity that I normally have or the energy to, to really pin it down. Um, and so because my editor in, in the US, Jin Dilly Martin, is amazing. Um, she was like, just send me stuff and we'll do this together. Like I, and, and I, tr- I completely trust her to be able to say, um, not this, but keep this, you know, and that's what we did. She, you know, she, like I was, I would send her more or less a whole book's worth of material and she would say, oh, I, I don't like these chapters. And I'd be like, right, fine. I'm just going to ditch them. Um, and, but, but like, I love this. And so it's like, right. Okay. And gradually I, the, a core form that began to make sense to me and that, that I, that began to feel coherent, but it wasn't until, 
I sort of sat up in the middle of the night and I was like, I can't do this because of brain fog, but I'm not talking about brain fog. And yet really the book is about, you know, it's about brain fog. It's about burnout. It's about exhaustion following years and years and years of hypervigilance. Um, and if I don't, if I can't own that for myself, what can I really say about it? Because I'm I'm kind of sugarcoating it, you know, or I'm making out that it affects other people and not me, you know, and that's just not true. And so, and it, I had exactly the same revelation in the middle of writing Wintering. It, mm. It's really funny. I had exactly the same thing that I was trying not to write about what I was going through at that time and, and actually kind of trying to conceal it almost to get this book finished. And it, it only gelled when I started putting myself in, in between the lines. And, and it was exactly the same here. Like suddenly it coalesced because I was actually writing from a from a heart of experience rather than from a, a sort of pretended dif- distance that wasn't actually distance. It was just an unwillingness to go there. <laughs> well, I think that's such a challenge because that's what I think, at least for me as a reader, I love so much about actually all three of your books, to be honest, is the, is the parts in which you're revealing the, the, I'm imagine the scariest to go into, but they're also the ones which I say, oh yes, that's me too. Yeah. And I, I think, um, I mean, after I'd published Electricity, I had this you know, this feeling of like, I just don't want to ever write such a revealing book again. It felt really intimate. And I got very fed up doing live events with that because I mean, actually we've, Oh God, I can't imagine. (laughs) Yeah. We've moved on about autism as a, as a society a lot since then. I mean, sometimes it feels like we haven't, but actually when I, when I compare my experience then and now and the kind of conversations I can have around that book, it, it has definitely changed. But I got really fed up of, you know, people stopping me afterwards while I was signing books to say, of course, the, the thing is, people are autistic when their parents don't love them very much. Or, oh, like, no. you're not autistic. You know, like, I've got an autistic nephew. And, and I just got so pissed off with it, essentially. Um, and I was like, right, I'm not doing this again because people are really annoying. Yeah. Um, and invasive. Oh, I, I mean... The, like the vast majority of people are amazing and just gorgeous and want to have an exchange with you. But of course, one in every 100 is totally unbounded and inappropriate. And, you know, that was never the autistic people that were behaving like that, that, that came to talk to me. It was the people who couldn't disconnect a sense of superiority for, of their superiority from my autism. And that meant that was a binary for them because that meant that either they thought I was their equal and so I wasn't autistic or they assumed that I was worse than them. And so came to tell me so like, or or we're looking for a reason, you know, and I am, I I had this like saying at the time, like I am not the asshole whisperer. Um, And I don't. (laughs) You need a sticker that says that. Yeah. Like I don't, like I don't have to deal with those people and their issues that they're bringing to my door. I've got plenty of my own, you know. Um, and so, yeah, like I, I, when I sat down to write Rinting, I was like, right, I'm going to write an, an impersonal book that is not about me this time. And it became personal. And it's just the way I write. And Enchantment's just the same. Like I, 
I will never avoid being a memoirist who does kind of quite hybrid books. I, I'm not ever going to write that like amazing kind of blockbuster book that's about, that's just the science and has none of me in. I, I always end up in there somewhere. I think we all have this fantasy of of this sort of book we're going to write, like the people who want to write just the little 200 page book, and then they end up with a 600 page book or the, yeah. yeah, the one that's just about the science or whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, you, you bring yourself into these things and that's not a bad thing. Like I, I know that as a reader, I love books where I'm feeling that closeness to the author and, and not just to the author but to humanity like the author's humanity that's the that's what makes it universal um and guess what like I always I'm never satisfied with my books till I've I've gone to that place as well it makes sense doesn't it it does and I'm wondering because the book I feel it definitely connected me with a sense of enchantment and I I'm curious if you got the same benefit as well in, in terms of not even being able to read I'm like it seems only fair that you put all of this work into this book <laughs> that you get to benefit too no absolutely I mean I I've never I'm never in, even interested in writing a book that doesn't change me and and like you know so electricity was a book that was about integrating my realization that I was autistic and and having the excuse to kind of go deep into understanding it um and wintering was a book where I was trying to kind of cluster together a lot that I'd realized over the course of my life but which maybe I hadn't fully been able to to look at at a distance and to really understand and enchantment was a book that I think probably changed me the most like writing it because I think the the vulnerable core of that book is me talking about the need that I felt for a more spiritual life or for a more um yeah like intimate uh, connection with with the world with everybody with the landscape with nature which I I increasingly dislike as a term because what the hell does it mean like how is that disconnected oh, no from idea. everything else you know like I'm really Really kind of tired of hearing about that but that's a whole other that's a whole other like podcast but no we could do a whole episode on that we could could do a lot about that um but I you know that that bit is the bit that felt very fragile to me to go in there with which is probably the sign that it's the most important part of it and while I've been doing the publicity for the book you know like a year on from closing the final edits I realized how how different I was really and how much of that learning has settled in. I've not gone back from it. In fact, it just feels very intrinsic to me now to go out and look for ritual in everyday life and to go out and deliberately make meaning or deliberately create create pauses in the day where I can feel that connection with something rumbling on behind the the busyness of the everyday and yeah I I feel really profoundly changed by it in a way that actually surprises me that's that's really exciting I think because there are these moments and it's I think I wish I had I have all of these highlighted bits from the book and of course I'm (laughs) you know which one there's so many I was just like highlight 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 (laughs) <laughs> I love it was it one of those. I know it's so it was so great. Yeah, there was a lot. 
But I think that the sense really of that, the meaning and the the enchantment and the the wonder comes from how you choose to see an experience. It not it's not necessarily a different experience. It's that you're different in the experience. Yeah, yeah. you bring something to it. Like the, um, I think the quote on the back is the magic is of your own conjuring, which is quite a useful way to say that um, that we bring we bring the desire for magic and the desire for rich experience. And it can only come when when it meets with us. Like it doesn't it doesn't spring out at you. Um, it you you come to it, you know, and and maybe merge with it. But there's definitely it's definitely got to be your attitude that, and, and state of mind and willingness to to pay attention and to notice and to soften in the face of things that are are wonderful but they're so easy not to notice. And if we wait for it to like drop in our lap or to be in a, in, in a place that we think is special, then th- that's just cutting ourselves off from an experience that can be everywhere all at once. I love the title of that movie. I'm going to, I'm going to use it for every, uh, everything everywhere all at once. That's oh, what we so need. good. It's so good. It's really good. It's <laughs> one of the weirdest and greatest things I've seen. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> But I think that's it. You can go into any experience and just decide this is going to be magical or I'm mm. I'm available for this to be magical. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I think that it's it's incredible how how the world around you is transformed when your attention is transformed. You know, like things that can seem so dowdy and ordinary and mundane and boring under a different pair of eyes become luminous and exciting and deeply engaging. And I know that because I have both of those pairs of eyes, depending on what my state of mind is. And I, I think particularly having grown up as I, you know, I write about in the book, but grown up in fairly unglamorous places and feeling like other people had beauty and I, you know, probably we didn't. Uh, like well let's democratize it then you know let's let's not carry because we we actually everything that you know that we write about beauty tells us that 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 impression was correct like you know people with a lot of money live in beautiful houses and beautiful places and people with no money live in awful areas that we prefer not to look at and I'm I just I hate that attitude. I absolutely hate it. Like I, I just think it's a way of admiring what people have rather than what they experience. And all of those experiences are open to both people. And and quite a lot of people with very beautiful things don't live very beautiful lives or live lives that are full of beauty because it's the state of mind that you bring to it and not the not the objects. Oh, completely. I mean, I, I think, I think the thing that, and I wonder if you agree, but in my experience, there is something about being a writer that gives you the the sort of, I don't know if this is perhaps too cheesy. I apologize for anyone if it is, <laughs> but like the magic wand is the pen in the sense that, mm. you know, by writing about something, we get to decide or we get to communicate and share where yeah. this magic and this enchantment is definitely 
and I think you know it's just a glorious excuse to for deep engagement and you know like I'm I, it's making me think of a time when I was in the British Museum and I'd I'd been to see an exhibit and I just sort of slumped down at the side and I was just getting some notes down because I just wanted to capture a few thoughts and the museum guard came up to me and he was like what are you doing and I was like well I'm a writer I'm writing something down he was like are you a real writer and I was kind of like I don't I'm not sure I acknowledge that like <laughs> this distinction that you're trying to make there like I'm a writer because I'm writing something down and I, and I was kind of I mean I you know like I, I can get an attitude on me and I was like is this causing any problem and he was like well no it's just unusual and I was like great I carry on being unusual then bye <laughs> <You know? laughs> now you know this is another way yeah. to be yeah like the, here we go why are you offended by this you know um and I yeah like having having a notebook in your hands is a, a a great tool for increasing your engagement, but it's also like a defense against the world that finds engagement weird. Like mm. they're not, they're wrong and we're right. So that's funny, isn't it? It is. It is. Oh my goodness. I think we could come up with probably 20 different episodes here, but <laughs> I'm so grateful that we've, we've been able to have the time that we've had. And Thank, oh, you thank you so much for writing this book. It was such a gift to read. Total pleasure. I did it completely for myself, as you can tell. Like I, <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to pretend it's philanthropic, but um, it's, it, you know, I, my writing for me is so necessary. Uh, and I'm just always honoured that other people will read it because I'd do it either way. Never tell my publishers that, so it would pay me. <laughs> no, I'll keep it. It's just between us. Just between us. No one will hear. It's fine. Tired of ads interrupting your favorite show? Good news. Ad-free listening on Amazon Music is included with your Prime membership. Just head to amazon.com slash adfreefitness to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Enjoy thousands of ACAST shows ad-free for Prime subscribers. Some shows may have ads.